0: Welcome everybody to another episode of Light the Fight, and this is the first episode of the year. Not that the year has just begun, but for Heidi and I, it's just begun.
1: (laughs) I'm just calling it like one of those delayed start years Mm. for me, Um, and I'm actually not mad about it. I, I'm thankful for the, uh, for just kind of that extended launch.
0: Yeah. For me, my New Year's resolution is to not get sick and not have anyone die for the next 30 days.
1: <laughs> seems like that's so little um, to ask.
0: I know, but it seems like it's a lot to ask. We, we, my family, we all got COVID. I got COVID pneumonia. Then my kids, when they got better, they went back to school for one day. They got really bad colds, came back and I got sick again. So it's been, a uh, yeah, no bueno. And then Heidi and I both, uh, for those of you who don't follow us on social media or um, they haven't kept up in the last couple of weeks, both of us, unfortunately, in 24 hours lost our moms. And for those of you listening to saying, well, David, didn't you lose your mom a couple of years ago? Well, it's complicated. Okay. <laughs> we got a couple of moms. So Heidi's situation, I'll let her talk about in a second, but I lost my biological mom. And a couple of years ago, I lost my grandmother, who raised me and adopted me, who I call my mom, so that that's how my situation worked out. but yeah, Heidi and I both uh lost uh the women that brought us in this world in the same day, so that was kind of weird.
1: yeah, really interesting um coincidence, I think I don't know, one thing that I was taught and and I'll just show this really quickly when Corey passed away is one of our church leaders who I didn't know very well at the time. The first time I actually was meeting him when I had to, you know, introduce myself and, and say, you know, we just lost Corey that day. I think it was maybe the day after. And he
2: said to me that he'd, he'd been around a lot of death in his life
1: and he said he had come to know through the spirit of prophecy, through his own spiritual interaction and um, study he believed that nobody was on this earth even one minute longer or one minute shorter than they're supposed to be and When he said that to me, I'd never really thought of that necessarily because I guess I think like accidents or things happen, right? That aren't planned or, um, except for that when he said it, I felt it through my whole body and it gave me a tremendous amount of comfort at that time. And when my mom passed away and that thought came back to me again, I just felt so comforted by by him sharing his testimony of of that because you know we never none of us know our time and I don't know there's there's certainly not a convenient time even when in in my situation um, where my mom's been dealing with this really difficult disease a brain disease. And she was diagnosed about 10 years ago. And over the course of the last, last 10 years, it was just like this progressive. It, it's called primary progressive aphasia. And so it just progressively got worse. And in fact, it was kind of like a, a rock rolling down a hill where it got faster and faster. So the last year, um, the progression of her disease was much faster.
2: But even though that
1: happened like she was healthy and functioning and so it was really like interesting to have it just go from
2: from really being okay to really not being okay in about 24 hours, you know. And I was telling David our situations are very, very different, right?
1: Because David's biological mother, um, he, he didn't call her mom. He, she didn't necessarily raise him in the traditional way that we think of that. And my mom did raise me. And I had um, a, a very involved relationship with my mom the whole life. But the past few years, her decline has been so difficult on our family and specifically the last four years my mom's been nonverbal. the last one year she's been living in a facility in the last three years I've needed to help my dad very very hands-on to keep her with
2: me and to help take care of her and so like I didn't expect I didn't I was praying for her to be able to go.
1: I was, I wanted her to be able to be done with her life. Right. Um, And yet
2: her death was still very like emotionally difficult, even though I,
1: I was really happy for her, happy for my dad and, and happy that we we didn't have to keep on facing this really difficult circumstance. And so it's just interesting how death, no matter the circumstance, no matter if it's, you know, we've talked about this before, if it's an accident, if it's a suicide that you don't expect in any way, or if it's the situation that you've kind of been hoping for, for a long period
2: of time, how being faced with death of a loved one causes you to re-examine everything.
0: Yeah. It's a trip. That's for sure, man. I think you hit it right on the head though. It's in, and it's almost like it's effortless. I, and I, I wonder if you'd agree with this, Heidi. Since your mom has passed for me, since my mom has passed, it's not like I'm like, okay, today I'm gonna process and grieve and think about all these weird things about my life that I never thought about, or memories of my mom that I just suppressed and put away for some reason. <laughs> it just kind of happens. Like I, I think right. we, we really are hardwired to grieve. Now, sometimes grieving is gonna be more difficult, you know, than others. Um mine with my mom, she got sick with COVID. Um was you know, not wanting to go to the hospital and, and, you know, she didn't know she had COVID by the way. She thought she just had pneumonia and um, it was, there's a lot of details there, but anyways, by the time she did realize and went to the hospital, it was too late and they, you know, it just progressively got worse and they couldn't save her. So it was pretty sudden. And, um, but yeah, since she passed, it's, I've been sick and at home with nothing to do and not feeling well, except for thinking about this. And so many things have just like come up and, things I've been grateful for, things I've, I, I'm starting to understand now. It's almost like a puzzle that like had pieces that were missing. And now I look underneath the table, I'm like, oh, those were those pieces were. You know, I pick them up off the ground because if, if you've ever done a puzzle and, and you got some pretty key pieces missing, it, it's hard to make the picture, it's hard to really put it together. And for some reason, the short period of time that my mom's passed away, some pieces have come back to the board and now I'm able to see it so much more clear as if I've always known. It's like, okay, now I get why she didn't do certain things and why she did do certain things. And now I understand something that I guess it was just there. Just, I was so busy dealing with a relationship with her and with you, Heidi. It's like, you're so busy dealing just with what you had to deal with. You didn't really get a chance to like finish the puzzle and put it all together. And for some people, you know, And this episode isn't just about like, hey, watch this episode or listen to this episode after your parents have died, because what we want to talk about is really relevant to anyone in our age, if you're in your 30s, 40s, or 50s, you're having parents, if they haven't passed away, they're getting towards the end of their life, and there's a lot you can do to grieve certain parts of their hurt and pain, or certain parts of the relationship that you just couldn't finish that puzzle with, but they don't have to die. You can grieve those things, you can make sense of those things while they're still on this earth. I think in our situation, me and you, Heidi, it just it, it took our parents passing away and for my grandmother who raised me who actually called mom, it was the same way uh, when she'd passed away two and a half years ago, ever since then, it was like I was freed from all these barriers and, and protective things I had to hold up against her and um, I was able to love her in a whole new way. I was able to make so much more sense of just her life and it's my brother on the other hand one of my brothers um ever since my mom passed he's been struggling like he was just doing it like survival mode then when she died it's like all of his past came to the surface i had the advantage that years ago i've been going through therapy for a long time but for him it's like whoa he's struggling now that she passed or since she passed for me my mom uh my bi- my biological grandmother they called mom I've actually been able to heal since she passed. And now with my biological mom passing, it's the last couple of years since my grandmother passed she and I got so close that I already healed before she passed. So now she, now she's gone, I'm now seeing the rest of the puzzle, but I didn't have to like it's almost like I, I got the relationship I was wanted from her. I would call her, I would talk to her when I was struggling. I never did that up until two years ago. So you know, whether your parent is passing. Is just getting older. Um, whether they've passed recently, and you're in that still trying to figure out what that relationship was like. You know, I'm just hoping you'll pick up some nuggets from from our conversation today, because that's what the intention of this conversation was: is just to share some of what we're going through. And I'm pretty sure a lot of people out there will be able to pick up on some things and maybe help make some sense. And like I said, pick up a couple of those pieces that were missing from your puzzle, so that it, you can. Help your puzzle have a little bit more shape to it. You know, because you miss those center, those corner. Sometimes there's certain pieces of a puzzle. If you don't have them, it just doesn't look right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's it's true. And it's maddening. Oh, because yeah. it's just never maybe some closure, never
2: um, you know, anyway, that kind of information that Just leaves you hanging. I guess it's like (laughs) it just doesn't it doesn't work that way.
1: Um, you know, I had several family members who were saying things like, "I don't know why we're having a viewing. Why do you? Why do we have viewings? Seems so stupid to come and look at this dead body. Right. This is." This is my children speaking. Um, And, you know, I actually didn't have an answer. I was like, well, you do it because this is what we're going to do. And I get dressed and let's go. And, you know, of course, for me, like. I was taking on all of these. I got to build this enormous quilt display and I got to get all the photos. And like I was having to remind myself that it wasn't a wedding you know, okay, so we don't need matching clothes. I, I don't need a color palette, like, stop it. But um, but it was so important for me. And I, and I felt like I had this for Corey too. I didn't want this funeral to be about her disease. I wanted it to be about her and her quilts and her legacy and the stories about her. And the wonderful thing about the viewing was that I think that my dad has been so lost in her disease, and I and I would say myself included, my sister, um, and my brother, that when people came from my youth, like you know, I'm always joking, David and Brandon. Now I'm always joking that I'm like afraid that I have my mom's same disease because I can't remember things or I can't remember names, and I'm like always like, oh crap, I'm pre-PPA or whatever. And people, and then we just remind you that's because
0: sleep deprivation. Continue.
1: (laughs) (laughs) People were walking in, and I knew their names, I knew their faces, I knew their kids, I remembered times that we'd had together. And it, just like it was with Corey, it was so deeply humbling and comforting to me when people came and put their arms around us with their stupid masks on with COVID raging in the Valley or whatever, you know,
2: and said, I loved your mom. It just is a comfort that
1: we need. It's like finishing up those puzzle pieces. It's that validation and assurance and reminder and because of the nature of her, of her disease, she wasn't very open
2: about it. And so there's a lot of people who didn't know what was going on. Um, and that level of closure of being able to be honest with what had happened and for people to
1: openly know how hard it had been, you know, that was also part of that closure.
2: And so these these
1: traditions and rituals that
2: we go through are meaningful, even if they're uncomfortable and maybe even weird. I think there's probably weirder things that people do, but um, I'm thankful to have not the her dying part, but this process of re-looking at her life, re-looking at our relationship, drawing the parallels between where I am now with my
1: oldest daughter. Uh, so I'm the oldest daughter in my family. And I I would be lying if I didn't if I I mean I thought more about the oldest daughter dynamic that we talk about here
2: it just kept coming up and coming up and coming up as as I thought about if you haven't listened to the oldest daughter podcast or oldest daughter part two podcast um,
1: the thing that David teaches there is that your energy twins and me and my mom were not twins we were not
2: there was a ways that we were just absolute opposites, right? But it was like I knew how she needed to be honored. I could feel what I needed to do. And my siblings just didn't have that same.
1: (laughs) It It wasn't speaking to them in the same way,
2: right? And so the impact on me and then me looking at my oldest daughter and remembering so poignantly my mom's and my relationship when I was in her stage Um, and my little sister reminding me often that I needed to have more compassion
0: for my mom. <laughs> well, that mom oldest daughter energy—it's—it's um, it's very much like Siamese twins, where you're connected in a way that you don't necessarily always want to be connected. <laughs> it's a blessing right. and curse because you know if you ever seen <laughs> you ever seen a documentary on Siamese twins, like. Yeah, they're always with each other, but they want to be away, from, they want to get away from each other. But then I saw a couple of documentaries as soon as they got separated, it's like they couldn't live without each other, not just physically, but it's like there's it's this weird symbiotic relationship between the two of them where the personalities can be different, they can look different, but they do the energy that one feels the other feels. And that's why it can be a blessing and a curse oftentimes. And um, I think this is actually a perfect little segue to what you were just talking about, Heidi. Thanks for sharing that. Um, I want to do something that we don't normally do because how you was talking about, um, there's a song that we're going to play. It's just two minutes. Um, but this song was a song that um, when, uh, when my grandmother um, slash mom and now my biological mom passed away, it just reminds me of um, the song is not necessarily all about death, but it's a, it's a very simple song that has a couple statements and lines in it that I think is very telling um, about like how we wish we could take our pain away from p- the pain away from people that we love. We wish we could take it, but there's actually something they're giving us and we can learn from that. So I just want to play this really quick for two minutes. Heidi and I will talk and share some thoughts and feelings about it. Heidi has not heard this yet. So that's why I'm excited for her to hear it. And then we'll talk a little bit more about that relationship because you know, I, I'm biologically the oldest uh, child. I'm the only child my biological mom has ever had. And I was the oldest child my biological father has ever had. And even though I was raised the youngest of my family, because I was adopted, I have this weird oldest son type of vibe inside of me. And I'm like, I wish I didn't feel all these things. And I wish I could just be like, uh, who cares about how they want it done? But like, as far as the, the funeral service, trust me, I'm, I'm in charge of it. Me and my sister are, but I I know exactly how she wants it. I know exactly how we need to have it look. So I I understand you and get you on that one. So Brandon, if you could go ahead and uh, play that song for us and then we'll talk about it and then uh, we'll close it up.
1: Maybe let's just tell them the name of the song and the artist. I have the lyrics pulled up if if anybody wants to pull up the lyrics.
0: So the name of the artist is Jack Johnson. I'm sure many of you have heard of him. Very popular artist, former professional surfer from Hawaii. And uh, the name of the song is, what's the name again, Heidi? Um, If I Could. If I Could. So here we go.
3: Cry, baby, cry, said your tears are like mine. I heard some words from a friend on the phone, didn't sound so good. The doctor gave him two weeks to live, I'd give him more. Gotta go, we'll keep a piece of your soul One goes out
1: Well, I will say that I've never, you know, met a Jack Johnson song that I don't
2: like. The dude just
1: is so chill. <laughs> David called it right before we started uh, recording. He called it anti-road rage
2: music. music. Yeah. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs>
1: um, you know, there's this. They say that new life makes losing life easier to understand. Um, Was the line that David um, shared. And, you know, there's a lot of layers in here, I think, but it also said words are kind, they help ease the mind. Um, And though you've got to go, we'll keep a piece of your soul. And you know, it, it is just like what I was saying about the the viewing and the and the process. Um, the things that people say the
0: hey, that real, process. Real quick, real quick, Brandon, you're not muted so we can hear everything you're doing. <laughs> okay, the process, The
1: the process of Like I said, those
2: rituals and talking to people that also love that person. Um, (laughs) You know, and I would, I would also say like the stories, that's the part of the soul that, that stays. Um, But you know, what got David and I all talking about this
1: in in the beginning was the fact that I bought a puppy and I wasn't expecting to buy a puppy. I don't even know what possessed me to get a puppy. And, and then when I posted about it on social media, like all these people were like, oh, I also got a puppy when
2: my parent died or, you know, when I lost my loved one. And I think that, um, when somebody dies, I had a friend that flew from California
1: to go to my mom's funeral. And she said, I love funerals because they
2: just always make me want to be a better person. And, you know, when just thinking about that song, I thought what
1: is, about another thing that David said, which before we we're recording, which we should always record our
2: pre-recording. but he said um, we can't ever go back and fix or change any regrets or disappointments or mistakes but what we can do is let it renew us what we've learned and so even like
1: I've got this new little puppy and I'm like, okay, I don't want to make
2: any of the mistakes that I made (laughs) with Rocky because Rocky's a disaster. Um, It's like a new chance. What I have from my mom is a chance to learn from the things that didn't go well and improve them And instead of like spending all that time thinking like what you wish you, would, you could fix or change or harbor, um, the perspective of like as this old life goes, there's this new life that can come in and be better and
1: brighter. And it never really goes away, it's always a part.
0: Yeah. One of the lines towards the end is that one goes out, one comes in. And it made me think of just what you're saying there right now is that it's not always literally like in in one aspect, like with you, it's like, you know, the new life of having a puppy, but as your mom passes away, the new opportunity to connect with your daughter, especially your oldest daughter, that opportunity now comes back in, like it changes. And I like what you shared about your friend saying she loves going to funerals. Um, I'd never thought about that way, but it's so true. Every time I've ever been to a funeral, it helps. Like I feel like I need to tell the people I love, I love them. I I feel a, a greater desire to maximize every opportunity. And I think if many of us have those experiences from funerals and felt that way, you know, six, seven days out of the week for years, we probably be a lot closer to our optimal version of ourself and have a lot you know a lot more success in, in the things that really matter because it's so easy to get caught up on all just the things we gotta do, the petty things that distract us or irritate us. But it's true when when you lose a loved one and you, you go and pay your respects and you go through that ritual and you talk about the memories of their life, you're just left with the things that matter the most things worth keeping and also lessons to learn that you don't want to repeat. And I think that's the, 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 the gift that my, my mom gave me, my biological mom just passed Yasmin. She didn't leave me 50 cents. She didn't have anything to leave, but that wasn't her life. Her life wasn't about money. Um, But in these last couple of years, she left me with good memories, deep conversations and lots of journals that I can't wait to read things that she wrote in this book, these books I told her years ago, she said, what can I do to be a part of your life? And, and I want to share with you about my life. And I said, well, I'm not really ready for that yet because at the time she was still struggling a lot. I said, but you could write in journals for me, share with me, you know, just your life experiences, the things that have meant the most to you and just document all the stuff so that someday I'll have that information for my kids And the reason why I share that is because I heard this a long time ago, and I might've mentioned this on the podcast before, but someone told me that you'll learn far more from raising your children than you'll ever learn from being raised by your parents. And the meaning behind that was that sometimes we put so much on what our parents did to us or didn't do for us. And this this guy who I respect a lot, he said, but at your parents' funeral, because he'd lost both of his parents. he goes." none of that stuff matters because you get to choose. Do you want to carry on and hold on the pain and resentment for them not being the parent you wanted them to be and put that on your kids or carry that with the rest of your life? Or do you want to let that stuff go? And do you want to remember sometimes lessons that were obvious and other times like coded lessons, lessons that they were trying to share with you. They loved you, but they just didn't love you the way that you'd hope they did. But they loved you in a manner that, if you really break it down to its core basics, it was love. It was their way of leaving you with something that you can take with you to your kids. And when he said that, like, it makes so much sense because now that I've been a parent for a while now, it's true. Like. It makes me think about my relationship with my family and my parents more, helps me decipher things and helps me make sense of things. And to be honest, it helps me, well, it does make me irritated and stuff. At times I think like, how could my parents acted this way towards me? How could they have hit me or done this or talked to me like that? I would never do that to my kids. But then I gotta stop and think and say, They did, and now I'm breaking that cycle. I don't believe that any of our parents. We're, we're, we're planning and intending to leave emotional scars on us, but we can give them some grace and some forgiveness if we look to see what they went through when they were little. If we look to what our parents, how they were treated growing up and, and the rights and privileges and freedoms of speech that they had, well, no wonder they just want a complete obedience and just for us to shut up and not have opinions and just to listen or to whatever they whatever we felt was you know harsh harsh and horrible yeah it was difficult and tough, but they also left left us with learning that there's other ways that we could do it, and we can learn so much more for this opportunity with our kids. So I really like it how you brought up that like your mom's passing is helping you just really reevaluate everything you're doing with your kids, Heidi, because she left you with great opportunities and great knowledge to say hey it can be done better. I, she gave you everything that she could give. Now the expectation is that you give more. And when your daughters and when your son, when they have, when your sons, when they have children, now they'll be able to give their kids more because you did the heavy lifting to get things going.
1: Well, the other thing that's really interesting and coincidental about our two moms is the thing that they were able to leave us is this journaling. And so my mom was this prolific quilter. I mean, the quilts are, are beautiful. Her workmanship was exquisite. It was her gift and her talent and her joy. And, um, and they're beautiful and they're, and they're tangible. Um, but, but what she also did was she wrote in a journal and in the in the funeral I said it was rage journaling, and I think a lot of times it, it was it was <laughs> it was like a it was um one of her coping mechanisms I remember watching watch. her yeah I remember seeing her journal all the time physically writing her journal um and in the last I mentioned to you that 10 years ago was her diagnosis and she really had about five years that she was pretty, like, even though it was having an effect on her, she was really highly functional. And she was able to take all the photos that existed throughout the years and um, collate them with her journals into scrapbooks. And so there, there's this record um, going back to when I was very young, All the way through until, you know, that time when she stopped being able to write, that she gives the backstory that I didn't have. Right. I didn't know what was going on in her mind or in her heart or what her goals were or what she was hoping to accomplish. I just know what actually got accomplished (laughs) Or, or how I felt. Yeah. And. It was so insightful um, for me to read that. And it's insightful for me to be 50, almost 50 years old and read what my mom wrote when she was 50 years old. When I was the same age as the age that my oldest daughter is and compare and contrast. We just weren't that different in what we wanted. and having that perspective that gift of perspective is so significant because it's just not a conversation that we could have
2: that she could have had with a 21 year old yeah is that a shame that we can't we're never on the same level as our parents, for
1: them to actually teach us.
2: (laughs) We, we have to raise up to their level through
0: time. Hey, you know, and all those, everybody listening, I think it's, it's a good reminder to, um, that's why it's important to capture through journaling and also video, video journaling the moments that we're having. Uh, oddly enough, you bring this up, Heidi. So yesterday I was going through, I have a hard drive that holds like pictures and stuff that obviously my computer can't hold because there's too much on there. And for the first time in seven and a half years, I watched the video that I made. So I made a video journal speaking specifically to my son, Tavita three weeks before he was born. So I just got done visiting my mom and my dad. My mom was really old and my dad was about to pass away. These are my grandparents, by the way, that I call mom and dad. And they thought my dad was gonna die. And I wasn't sure if he's gonna stay, be alive to watch my son be born, because he had had a stroke and he was hand, he was paralyzed and laying in bed and couldn't talk. And um, I just got done meeting with them and I was really vulnerable and emotional. I came home and I did this video during my garage and I was speaking to Tavita, my unborn son. well, last night, he sat there and watched this video with me. Now he's still a little too young to understand it, but there's no way today <laughs> there's no way today I could have said what I said back then. Those emotions were so raw, and I was so worried I told him I was I was scared to be a father to a son, not scared to be not scared to have a daughter, but because I didn't know who my dad was at that time. It was just really deep and so. Those moments are so precious because now he can watch that video when he's 15, 25, whatever, and see me when, like, whatever age I was at, he can watch that at that same age. And he can look at that and he can learn something from that. And, you know, it's, yeah, our our parents, I I hope to leave, and I know you, Heidi, too, we both want to leave our kids with more answers than what ifs. And, and, and I think, you know, as a parent, if we can leave behind um, things that can help them finish the puzzle, because I think our whole entire family is one big puzzle. Each generation, we're trying to put as many pieces on the, on the, on the board as possible to help put it together. But we, I think in this generation, we can put so many more puzzle pieces to help our family see what it's really supposed to be. And if we give our kids that advantage then they're looking at a complete model to work with versus having so many holes in it. Because I think ultimately that's what a lot of us got from our parents and they got from their parents was that they got a couple of pieces, but no one could really see the whole picture. And that's what we ultimately want with our kids. We want them to go into their adult lives, to have children and to have families, whatever they choose to do, but with a complete picture of what they're capable of and what talents and attributes they have at their fingertips And if we are successful with parents, we provided them with that picture.
2: You know, I want to, I want to add something
1: that struck me really a lot this last week, and I was listening to a, um, and those of you who are listening who are members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, I'm talking about, but. Um, the gospel study that we do is called come follow me. And I listened to a couple of different podcasts that kind of um, go along with it. And they're talking about our first parents. They're talking about Adam and Eve and they're talking about Cain and Abel and this experience that happened. Right. Cause we're studying the old Testament and um, the person who's on the podcast is talking about parenting. And I will
2: say in one podcast that I listened to, we got to light the fight shout out. And I'm just listening. And they're like, in this one
1: podcast that I listen to, <laughs> they talk about, don't forget. And it was funny because they kind of tied in the light, the fight <laughs> messages. The guy who's a host
2: is a, is a fan of light, the, the fight anyway. So that was kind of well,
0: funny. that's cool. I'm- they could tie in a don't freak out into some sort of a scriptural doctoral type. Yeah. Conversation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah.
1: Yeah. I loved it too. In another one that I listened to, um, a parenting expert was talking and she talked about the parenting pyramid. Um, I'd never heard of the parenting pyramid. And um, I've never heard David talk about the parenting pyramid. But what, what is interesting about it is that, okay, so imagine like the food group pyramid, right? You know how the bottom is supposed to be like, fruits and vegetables, and then it's like grains, and then it's like meats and fat and sugar or something, you know, like whatever. The thing you need the most of is at the bottom. That's why the, the pyramid. So in the parenting pyramid, and I Googled it, it's actually a thing. I mean, this was a parenting expert, right? The very bottom of the thing is your relationship with yourself and your relationship with God, your person, you as a person. That's the bottom part of the parenting pyramid. And then it says, you know, the husband, wife, or co-parenting relationship. The second, the third thing is the parent-child relationship. The third, the fourth thing is teaching. And the very, very top
2: is correction or disciplinary, disciplinary action. Um, and I think that, what she had said, and in my experience growing up, I felt that was flipped. It, I felt like the, the
1: base of the way I was being parented was discipline, and then maybe some teaching, and then maybe a relationship, but, and then at the very bottom was maybe my, my parents' awareness of themselves and how their personal, their individuality was affecting um, parenting. And if there's anything that I've learned from David from the Light Fight podcast, is that how important, essential the relationship is. I mean, on the parenting pyramid, the bottom three things end with the word relationship self, spouse, child. So that's the, the core of the parenting pyramid. And the more that we know ourselves, the more that we question ourselves and improve ourselves the better the parenting will be and that's the major crux of this whole thing my job right now is to really think like what can i take away from my mom what compassion can i give her and what growth mindset can i have Where can I forgive myself? You know, part of that is like your relationship with God. Where can I forgive myself and say, okay, not great.
2: I can be better. And, um, you know, I just kept thinking to myself, my belief, my, my belief is that
1: this isn't the end of my relationship with my mom, that it continues. and. So many people said to me that their moms continued to teach them, even after they had passed. That those life lessons that you
2: share just get richer and richer as you get older and older, and understand. Um, And I just think that's that's amazing.
0: You know, I think um, I think that might be a good uh, opportunity to um, to wrap up the podcast right here because there's some thoughts I have, but I think I want to save it for our Patreon episode. Um, because uh, for those of you who don't know about a Patreon episode, you can go to www.patreon.com patreon. dot com backslash light the fight. P A T R E O N. dot com backslash light the fight. This episode will be on there, but you'll be able to see our zoom screens. So you get to see our actual faces. Lucky you patrons. <laughs> <laughs> um, but also too, we do a little episode afterwards. It's a segue from the episode. We just kind of add some different thoughts stuff. I just had some thoughts that if I got into it right now, it'd, it'd make this episode go up too long. Um, but I want to share a couple of things um, about what you're talking about, Heidi, but um, I, I just want to thank all of our listeners for being patient with us, for um, being able to, you know, Last couple of weeks, we just just physically, mentally and emotionally, we haven't been able to do the job. So thank you for being patient and, and waiting for us to get back on our horse. And um, I want Heidi to to share a few closing words, because I just feel that what you're saying right then, just. Um, I mean, that, that's what this that's what the whole entire podcast is about, like, how can we become better parents? How can we improve our relationships with our family members and loved ones? And every time we lose a loved one, or for those of you who know that losing a loved one will most likely be in the near future, w- what can we do to continue to upload more data? Because if we're just one gigantic computer from one generation to another, we want to make sure we're putting the best information on the hard drive so that our kids have that information to work uh-huh. with. And that was the whole entire point of me using the puzzle analogy. I've just used that one for, for years with families. It's like we're trying to complete something. Human beings by nature, like we have this constant desire to be better, to make cooler stuff, to improve everything. It's just hardwired inside of us. Well, why are we trying to improve and why are we trying to be better? Well, lots of different religions and lots of different people have different thoughts on that. But the fact of the matter is, is nobody wants their family to be the same way as the family was that they grew up in. They want it to be better. Everybody wants it to be better. Your parents, Heidi, my parents, they didn't want us to be just like them. They want us to be better. We don't want our kids to be just like us. We want them to be better. So to complete that picture, we need to make sure that we're putting the best of the information and our loved ones that have passed or that may soon pass, there are so many nuggets that they've left for us. But if we have this wall of, how come they didn't love me the way I didn't want to be loved? How come they didn't do this? And if we have this abuse and hurt and pain and trauma, from those relationships as the only thing that we can remember then that's not going to help us and our kids. And I'm not to say I'm not saying that the people that haven't had bad childhoods shouldn't feel those ways, have those feelings. But on the flip side, think about the how you became who you were. A lot of the reasons why you are who you are was through hurt and pain. Now the goal is how do we help our kids be better evolved versions of us without screwing them up first just to get there. Right? Like, you know, that hurt and pain, yeah, life's going to give them enough shame. Life's going to give them enough hurt and pain. It doesn't have to come from us. So let's do what we can to be able to share what our parents were trying to give us, but just doing it in a better way.
2: (laughs) Yeah, the thing I started this podcast with what I said was, I didn't, ex- I didn't feel sad that my mom passed away. In fact, I, I was so relieved that she got to be done carrying this tremendous burden that she had. It, it made me so sad. But
1: then I didn't expect to be, like, sad. I'm going to repeat what I
2: find myself saying all the time, which is children just want to make their parents proud. I don't care what age that is.
1: I know as a parent, sometimes you look at what your kids do and say, okay, well, they are clearly not understanding the assignment or that
2: they don't care what I think or feel or any of that. And that it's just not, it's just not true. Reading my mom's journal, um, she was so proud
1: of me. She was so proud of all of us, of our grandkids, of her daughter and sons-in-law. She was
2: so proud of her family. She didn't do an awesome job telling us that. That is something that we can do better. Everybody who's listening, your children
1: want you to be proud of them. And you are proud of them mostly. You
2: know, there's probably stuff you're not proud of. But at the end of the day, make sure you look at your children in the eyes and tell them you are proud of them. Make sure they know It will make a difference to you. It will make a difference to them. And that was a a tender reminder to me this last week.
1: So thank you, you guys, for listening. Um, Love to invite you to head over to to Patreon. Don't know what David's going to say, but I can't wait to hear it. (laughs) Um, So thank you, as always, for listening. Thank you for your support. It's been amazing. Um, being a parent and these family relationships are the most valuable thing that you can invest your time and energy into. Um, so thank you for being here and helping us to light the fight.
0: And also thank you for 1-800-CONTACTS uh, for, <laughs> for sponsoring us. We got so emotional into this episode. I feel like we should, do we have to send out money to all of our listeners to pay them for the therapy <laughs> session? This was the yeah, therapy this, session. this
1: is a little a
0: little extra (laughs) yeah so anyone that listened to this episode thank you just know that at least one of your sins will be forgiven one of your sins will be forgiven (laughs) for listening to this episode that's our credit to you we'll we'll pay you back in that so as if we (laughs) have the power of gods but we're not but you know just it was a good thing that you listened so thank you guys appreciate it and as Heidi said thank you for helping us like